to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast from Houston, Texas. We hope you enjoy our English pastor, John Ryan Cantu's Sunday morning message. All right. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'm going to ask that you turn with me to the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, chapter 2. <clears throat> and we're going to be reading verses 41 through 52. Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, third book in the New Testament. If you have it, let me know you have it. Amen. If you don't have it, um, I got you. But don't let that be an excuse for you not to bring your Bibles, you know. Bring your Bibles so that you can follow along. Um, sometimes I, I enjoy reading my own version because, you know, I have my preferred version and sometimes a preacher is preaching out of another version. It's still the same word of God, but um, I like to kind of hear it how I usually read it. So, you know, get yourself a Bible that, that you like and, uh, and bring it to church with you. Amen. Just like your kids. All right. Luke chapter two, it says this. It says now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover and when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. And his parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. And after three days, someone say three days. After three days, they found Jesus in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And his parents saw him and they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth as was, and was submissive to them. You hear that, kids? Even Jesus was submissive to his parents. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, my God, for this word that you have brought this church, my God. And I pray, Father God, that as our hearts are open and our minds are open to receive, my God, that we just receive everything that you have for us to receive this morning, my God. We want to leave out of this building a little bit stronger, my God, a little bit more, uh, more with, with a little bit more growth in our faith, my God, and our understanding in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So today's message, um, we're talking about relationships. Today's message is our relationships with our children. And I've, I've entitled this message, Me and My Expectations, because we all have expectations when it comes to not only ourselves, but also our kids. And we're in a relationship series. It's called Me and, where we talk about our relationships with people and how we reflect Christ in any and every uh, relationship. And so today we're talking about our kids or, or future kids. Okay. If you don't have kids, still pay attention. Okay. All right, next week is going to be me and my boo, okay, in, all the, in honor of, <laughs> I, I just knew, like, that's what I wanted to call the sermon. I don't have anything prepared yet, but that's, that's the name of it, me and my boo, uh, in honor of Valentine's Day. So, um, but today we're talking about our relationships 
with our kids. And if you don't have kids yet, um, you're probably going to have kids one day. And let me just tell you something. I, I enjoy being a dad. Any dads in here that just love being a dad? Oh, man, a few of you. Okay. <laughs> We're going to pray for you guys. in a special altar call. <laughs> it's been rough. Huh? Parenthood, parenthood is, is one of the, I think, one of the greatest gifts given to humanity. I mean, God really, he thought that through. It's, it's beautiful. Sometimes I look at Layla and she catches me smiling at her and she's like, what are you doing? And, and then I, and I just say, baby, I, I love you. I love you because that's what I'm feeling in that moment. I'm just feeling all the love. And she has no idea how much I, I love her. And I think that's most parents, right? Most parents, I mean, we love our children unconditionally, even if you're not like the affectionate type. I'm pretty affectionate with my, with my little girl. I know some of you might not be, but that does not negate the amount of love that you have for your children. And if, if, if you don't have kids yet, let me just tell you, it's awesome, man. Having kids is awesome. It's awesome. It, I mean, not everything's awesome, right? Not, not sleeping is not awesome. And that's coming for me in a couple of, you know, a few weeks when the round two comes. Um, that's not awesome. Dealing with them when they're being little brats and, you know, they're throwing fits and all that stuff. That's not awesome. Having to sacrifice you time because she wants to play dollhouse with you. That's not that much fun. But in general, being a parent is, is awesome. And every good parent wants what's best for their kids, right? We, we, in fact, we know what's best for our kids. That's why you make them take baths. You make them do the things that they don't want to do. They, kids don't know. They, kids don't want to do the things that they have to do if it's not fun. So every morning, Layla comes and, and she hugs me. And she hugs me with a smelly breath. I'm like, Layla, brush your teeth. And then she smiles and she's like, no, I don't want to. And I have to make it a game for her. I have to make it fun for her to, to brush her teeth because that's, that's something you have to, you got to learn how to do, right? Um, but kids don't, we, we don't, when we were kids, when I was a kid, one of the things that I didn't, I didn't like to do was homework, right? I hated doing homework. Personally, I didn't think that I should have to go to school for eight hours a day and then come home and do another three hours worth of homework. But my mom made me sit there until I did it. And sometimes I would trick her into doing it. And, um, and, and she would because, you know, I was just too slow. I, I played that card like, I don't understand it, Mom. I just feel so dumb sometimes. And <laughs> I got you, Mio. I got you. I went, home, I went to watch like Boy Meets World or something, right? But, but we do the things that we have to do for our kids, right? We teach them lessons, sometimes tough lessons. We, we talk some sense into them when their thinking is a little bit off because why? We want them to grow up to be decent human beings, responsible, loving, compassionate, right? But sometimes, someone say sometimes, sometimes what we think is best for our kids is not actually what's best for them. That one didn't give a, get a lot of amens. But let me tell you, even the godliest, most righteous parents don't always get it right when it comes to their kids. And I'll, I'll tell you where I think we get it wrong as parents. And I don't say this as an expert parent. I am in, by no means an expert parent. Sometimes I send a lady to school with her pants inside out. Like, you know, I forget her lunch. I have to go home and, and make it. And, and so I, I'm not an expert parent. But this, this, is what, this is where I think we get it wrong. We get it wrong when it comes to our expectations that we place upon our kids. Because 
Just like we have expectations for ourselves, right? We have our own expectations for our lives, for our futures, the way that, that we expect God to answer our prayers, right? We expect our future to look a certain way. We expect God to bless us the way in which we want to be blessed. We also have expectations for our children. And, and because we have those expectations, what do we do? We try to raise them in a way that, that would put them on a path to meet those expectations later in the future. And so you might expect your kids to go to college. And so what you do now is you begin to ingrain in their heads the importance of education and you need to pay attention in class and you need to study and you need to do your homework and you need to bring home good grades, right? Or maybe you expect them to follow a certain career path because you want them to be financially stable. Maybe you expect them to go to ministry. Maybe you expect them to sing because they know how to sing. You expect them to preach because they know how to preach. You expect them to play ball because they know how to play ball. And we have certain expectations for our kids, but sometimes, again, there's that word sometimes, sometimes our expectations of where we're wanting our kids to be is not where God has planned for them to go. And if we're not careful about that, what we end up doing as parents is we end up competing for the futures of our children because we want them to go the way in which we want them to go. And sometimes we're just so focused on our kids. And there's nothing wrong with that. We're focused on our kids. We, we love our kids. We want to make sure that they're happy and that they're healthy and they're staying out of trouble and that they're safe. And, but, but we're so laser focused on our kids that we forget to look up to see what God is doing in their lives. And so the text, the Bible says here in, in, in verse 41 and 42, it says, now his parents went to Jerusalem every year every year at the Feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. So we have to understand something about Mary and Joseph. I think, I think everyone knows this already. But they were, they were hand chosen by God. They were picked by God to be the earthly parents of Jesus Christ on earth. The, 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 the son of God on earth. Only them. That is a once in humanity lifetime. That, that doesn't make sense. Once in humanity. <laughs> Once in humanity. Right? Mary and Joseph were hand chosen by God. And he said, I want you to be the parents of Jesus. And, and, and the Bible tells us that they were chosen because they were highly favored by God. Joseph was above reproach. He was an honorable man. Mary was, was faithful. And they both had a commitment to the Jewish faith that made them special. We forget sometimes that, that God also chose us to be the parents of our children. We, forgot, we forget that sometimes. But it's true. God was, thinking about, God was thinking about your kids when he created you. He was thinking about your kids when he created you. Even before you even knew you were you, God knew the, the names of your kids. He was thinking about that. He picked you to be the parents of your children. I believe God chose me to be Layla's dad for the same reason he chose me to be Melissa's husband because you need some patience with, them, with those women. <laughs> Maybe I was the only one equipped to deal with their drama. I don't know. But Mary and Joseph were chosen because of their, their righteousness, a righteousness that was necessary to raise the son of God. It's necessary to be righteous, man. It's necessary for kids to have righteous parents. 
because you are the, the, the first teachers of your children. And so if you're not righteous, you're not teaching them how to be righteous. And so it's necessary for you to have righteousness. It's necessary for you to love God. It's necessary for you to come to church and do all the things that you should do as a believer. And, and Mary and Joseph were chosen because of that righteousness. And because of that righteousness, because of their commitment to the faith, they did what they did every single year. They went to Jerusalem for Passover. They did it every year. It was their custom. Just like you bring your kids to church. Every Sunday, just like you pray with them every time they're about to uh, about to take a bite out of their food, just like you pray with them before they go to school or before they go to bed. You do what you what you're expected to do as a Christian parent and what you expect them to do later in life. That's what makes you a godly parent. Amen. I hope that as as godly parents, we are doing what is expected of us um, in the word of God, because if we don't if we don't create certain standards for our children that are biblically based, they won't grow up in the righteousness that we're commanded to raise them in. And so Mary and Joseph, where they dropped the ball, you ready? Mary and Joseph, they dropped the ball because they forgot that Jesus didn't really belong to them. Jesus wasn't really theirs. And so they got, they got a little too comfortable. They got a little too cozy, forgetting that Jesus had a greater mission. And we don't know too much about, you know, the young life of, of Jesus. In fact, this is the only thing that we really know of his childhood. We can probably assume that Jesus, he wasn't quite like the other kids. He was probably special. Uh, he was wise beyond his years. But somewhere during Jesus' childhood, he began to realize who he was. Now that suggests something. It suggests that Jesus didn't always know who he was. And I'm going to take you a little bit on a little theological lesson here. I, 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 for the past several weeks, I have really been studying this concept because I had never really thought about it before. But thank God it's not an original thought. It's actually part of the doctrine of incarnation. Jesus came as a human, right? So if he came as a human, he came as an infant. And infants, if you think about an infant, infants don't have the same level of, of consciousness and brain development um, that they do as, as they become older. So at one point, Jesus didn't fully understand yet who he was. The doctrine of incarnation teaches that Jesus, who was fully divine lessened himself when he became man and he created certain limitations for himself physically but also mentally that's why the bible says jesus increased in knowledge and in wisdom you can't increase in something that you already have an unlimited amount of he grew he grew and so this tells us that at one point we don't know exactly when but at one point jesus didn't fully understand who he was as the son of God. And as an infant, you know, he, he didn't have that consciousness of how truly great he was. That's why he needed righteous parents to guide him, to protect him. When Herod was trying to have Jesus killed, God didn't command baby Jesus to go to Egypt. He commanded his parents to take him to Egypt. 
Why? Because Jesus couldn't just get up and go because he was limited because he was a man. And so that that tells you something about the importance of parents. Even if God has a mighty plan for the lives of your children, man, you have such an incredible calling to preserve it. And, and to protect them and to make sure that they are doing everything that, that, that God wants for their lives, even if they don't know exactly what it is just yet. But at, around this time, he's 12 years old, Jesus appears to have already realized who he was. 12 years old. I don't know. I don't know. If you realize, but man, God is calling our young people and he's calling them with clarity. He's speaking into their lives and they're, they're understanding. Don't assume that God isn't talking to your kids. Don't assume that God isn't talking to kids, even if they're not your kids, because God is speaking to them. Don't assume that they don't already know what their calling is. It was also the prophet Samuel. Right, who who was called by God at an early age. Um, It was also David who was told that he would be king even in his youth, even though his father didn't see it. God saw it. And so Mary and Joseph failed to make the connection between what God was doing in Jesus' life and their role as the earthly parents of Jesus. It's the same mistake that Jesse made. And and Marisa brought a, a word this morning. Uh, to our Spanish congregation about, about David. And, and I, I was reminded of this. Jesse made the same mistake when he saw his, his youngest son, David. He was, he was a small boy. He was not fit to be king. He was not fit to lead an army. He was not fit to d- defeat the Philistine Goliath. And, and he was too busy looking at David as his son rather than realizing the extent to which the father had called his son. And that's what happens, church, when we set limitations and certain expectations that are far less superior than the expectations God has for our kids. You think you think great of your kids. God thinks bigger. God sees them as greater than we could ever see them. Don't assume that your kids aren't already hearing the voice of God in their lives. Don't assume that. Help them through it. Help them realize it. Guide them through it. Help them recognize the voice of God like Eli did when Samuel was confused as to who was calling him. But don't assume that they're not being spoken to by God because I assure you, they are. Mary and Joseph didn't really realize what was going on. I don't know. Maybe it was because they weren't paying attention. But I bet Mary and Joseph were losing their minds, man. Mary especially. Right. I can just see her ticked off. I can just see her frustrated and 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 crying one minute, thinking the worst and then so angry the next thinking, man, when I find him, mm, I'm going to beat him. And she's probably a little bit hurt because Jesus has never done anything like this before. They did this every every single year. It was their custom. Jesus had never gone off like this. This isn't the norm. He's not a problem child. Why would he do this? And then the Bible says that after three days of searching for him, they, they find him. And he's not sleeping under a bridge. He's not lying dead in a ditch somewhere. What is he doing? He's in the temple. And he's learning. 
And he's asking questions. This is the first and only time Jesus is depicted as a student and not the teacher. But why the sudden change? Why, why this a dr- dramatic event of, of, of staying behind when he knew that his parents were, were going back home? It was because he discovered the greatness of who he was, the man Jesus was called to be. Even at 12 years old. And man, when kids discover something, I don't know if you've noticed, but when kids discover something, they, they, they go all out. Like, they're passionate about it. I mean, it could be something as dumb as like fidget spinners, right? Remember fidget spinners? I would, I would teach these kids, you know, music lessons, and everyone would, hey, check out my fidget spinner. I'm like, dude, that's just this junk, man. They're like, no, this one's like 300 bucks. I'm like, 300 bucks? Crazy. But they, they obsess about the smallest thing and, and, and dances on a video game. And I mean, it, it, it's crazy. But when they find like a, when they, when they have this sense of purpose and calling, they really obsess about it. They really do. I, and, and one person comes to mind right now is Jeremiah. Where are you at? Where are you at, Jeremiah? Jeremiah, what's up, man? Jeremiah, every single week, man, he comes to me, Pastor Ryan, I learned a new chord on the guitar. You know, he's learning the guitar right now. And I, I wrote a song, Pastor Ryan, can, can you hear it? And I'm like, yeah, bro, bring your guitar. I'll, I'll help you work, work it out. Last week he was like, Pastor Ryan, I, I, I learned how to play the D minor chord. I was like, man, D minor chord, that's, that's tough. And, and I'm celebrating with him because I see his passion. I see that he's, he's, he's trying. He, that there's something there that God is calling to him to that later on he can use. So I'm going to celebrate with him because he's excited about it. When kids discover something about themselves, especially that God has put in there, man, they're going to go crazy. They're going to they're gonna be up all night, you know, working. I, I remember I would, I would jam my music, you know. I'd be playing my music, you know, at late hours of the night. And <laughs> I remember my mom told me one time she really wanted to tell me just to stop playing. But she felt bad because, you know, you don't want to do that as a mom. But my dad texted me. He was like, mijo, yeah. <laughs> I still remember. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> but I was like, I was up there. I was jamming. I was, you know, thinking I was, I was it, man. Huh. And so Jesus had that, he, 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 he felt it. He had that sense of assignment. Oh man, I'm the son of God. Like I'm, I'm, I have a, I have an assignment. I have a purpose. I need to get on it. I need to start learning. I need to start growing. I need to start increasing and bettering myself. But sometimes as parents, we miss what God is doing in their lives because it's not what we expected of them. I thank, my, I, I thank God for my parents, man. I, I think I have the greatest parents. I know every child probably thinks that, but they, they did a, a good job raising us. Me especially, you know. You guys did a fine job with me. Congratulations, you know. <laughs> but my, my, my parents, both my sisters are here, and they're, they're like looking at me like, yeah. They know what's up. They know. My parents never, my, my parents never said, to me, Ryan, I want this for your life. I want you to do this. They didn't force their wishes upon me. They didn't try to make me someone that you know, they wanted me to be. And I appreciated that. I thank you. In fact, they were always supportive of what I wanted to do. And, and so when I was a teenager and all I wanted to do was music, they signed me up for all the lessons and, and they paid all the money and they put me in a, in a private school. And, and, and when they bought me a laptop because I wanted to start you know, making music and, and, uh, they would show all their friends this terrible sounding music. I don't know why you did that. I mean, we still have some of the recordings, man. If you heard that, you're, you're going to be ashamed that I'm your pastor, but 
but they were so proud of me. And, 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 and when, when I you know, was in college, they said, you know what, you want to do a, a professional recording album? And, and they paid for it, and they drove me to concerts and all that. They were super supportive of everything that I wanted to do. But they also never said, Ryan, I want you to do what you want to do. They didn't say, I want you to do what I want to do. But they also never said, I want you to do what you want to do. They never had that conversation with me. And that's something that I think that my generation does a lot with their kids. We, uh, we give them freedom. And freedom is good. Okay, don't get me wrong. Freedom is good. I want Layla to be her own person. I don't want to make her, you know, what I want her to be. I, I see that she is a, is a free spirit and God is going to, you know, God made her that way. And God is going to do something with her life. But we fail when, when we give too much freedom for, to our kids that we let them assume that their freedom is going to lead to the best result. I want you to do what you want to do. There should be a caveat there. Because what you want to do isn't always the best option. And if I always did what I wanted to do, I don't know where I would be today. Kids don't know what they want all the time. Adults don't know what they want, man. So my parents never tried to force their will upon me, but they also never encouraged me to pursue my own will because we get it wrong sometimes. Instead, what they ingrained in me was the desire to seek God's will for my life. Because God's will will surpass my will. It will surpass their will. And so that's, man, that's all we can really do as parents, man. If Layla grows up and she pursues the will of God in her life, you know, his purpose for her life, even if, if it's not my first choice, even if it's not what I would have picked for her, even if it's not her first choice, if it's God's first choice and she wants to do that, man, praise God. I did my job as a parent because I taught her how to seek the will of God in her life because God's will is greater than any will. And so when I think about Mary and Joseph, first of all, I, I wish... I knew a little bit more into their family dynamic. You know, I, I wish I, I wish I knew how their conversations were like at the, at the dinner table. We know that Joseph, Joseph was a carpenter, right? And, and he taught the craft to Jesus. Mary was probably a good loving mother, like many mothers are. And, and they were a, a religious, a, a very devoted to God household. But Mary and Joseph forgot something so important that we as parents tend to forget. And that's that our children are not our own. They're not our own. They belong to God first. They belong to God first and us second, man. He's loaning our children to us. Man, I, 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 was, I was so moved by, I don't know if y'all heard the Toby Mac song. Uh, he he uh, did a tribute to his son, his 21-year-old son who died suddenly. And, and uh, he wrote this song. And, and the last line just got me because it, it was so... It was so humbling of him to, to, to make that declaration um, that, that he wasn't even his own son. He said, 21 years, what a beautiful loan. 21 years, thank you, God, for my beautiful son. What a beautiful loan. And that is the posture in which we should, we should the, the mentality that we should adopt, that our children, they belong to God first. I am, yes, I am the father of my children. I'm the father of Layla. She, I'm her daddy, but, but God is her daddy first. And, and, and my job is to lead her into the path of righteousness, to protect her, to teach her. 
but it's never to keep them confined to my expectations. When Mary finally finds Jesus after three days, she's mad. She's, she's frustrated. She's upset. Maybe she's even a little bit hurt, you know, that Jesus would run off and and do such a thing. And, and this is what she says. And I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. She says, son, why have you treated us this way? Your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? I want you to put yourself in Mary's shoes for a minute. <clears throat> if, you, if, you, if you had a child that ran off, right, and you couldn't find them for three days, you were looking all over the place for them, you called the cops, you filed the police report, you, you, know, uh, you, um, you were blasting everything on, on, on social media, and then you finally find them, you have that conversation with them. Where were you? What the heck were you thinking? What are you doing? We were looking everywhere for you. And if their response was, why were you looking for me? Would you not, you know, would you not like just pop? I'm like, I wish I would have never found you, man. Talking to me like that. You know, it's like when I read that for the, when I read that for the first time, it's like, it sounded like Jesus was getting lip, you know, he was getting lip to Mary, getting attitude. Sometimes we tell Layla, you know, stuff like wash your hands. Wash your hands after you pet Rocky, our dog, if you're going to eat. Take your junk out of my car. It looks like a mess. It looks like your room. Take it out. And sometimes she's like, why? I'm like, girl, just do it, man. I'm talking about why. But Jesus wasn't getting smart with Mary. He wasn't. He's too perfect for that. He wasn't being sarcastic. In fact, the next verse tells us exactly why he was asking the questions, because he was curious. It's the la- it should be the last slide uh, the one with, with the text, it says, it says Jesus saying, didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Why were you looking for me? Didn't, didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? Didn't you, didn't you know that my father called me to something greater than what you expect of me? Didn't you know? I mean, they wrote a song about Mary knowing stuff, right? Didn't you know that I had a purpose? Did, didn't the angel tell you? Like, weren't you there? How could you not have known all this? Aren't you supposed to know all of this about me? How could you not know that I had to be here in my father's house, learning, growing, increasing, and stepping into my purpose? How could you not have known that? You're my mother. And by the way, this is the very first time Jesus says, my father. Meaning he's making the declaration for the very first time that he is the son of God. He knows it. He knows this about himself. He knows that he has an assignment. And I wonder what went through Mary's mind when Jesus said all this. The Bible says that, that, that his parents didn't quite understand what he was talking about. You know, sometimes we don't quite understand what God is doing in our own lives, much less the lives of our children. But we cannot make the mistake to think that he's not doing anything. We cannot make the mistake to thinking that God is not doing anything in my life, that God is not working in my midst, even though I don't see it, even though I don't feel it, even though I don't understand it, he's doing it. And I think that as a parent, man, I, I, I feel sorry for Mary here because I would have been hurt. Like had I been Mary and Joseph, I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be this godly man. 
this devoted man who's got it together, who, who goes to church, who, who reads the word, who, who, who fasts and, and who intercedes for those that I love. I'm, I'm supposed to be the representation of, of God in my household. How could I have missed this? And it's because sometimes we're paying attention to our kids, but we're not really paying attention to what God is doing in our kids. And Jesus was surprised by it. I I thought you knew, Mom. I'm supposed to be here. I never want to fall into that as a parent. I never want to fall. I never want to fail to see that God is doing something in my daughter's life. Man, that that would hurt me. Because sometimes, church, I have missed God's calling in my life. I've missed God's timing. There's been times where where I should have stepped and I didn't take the step. There were times where I should have moved and I didn't move. There were times where I should have stayed silent and I just wanted to do things my way. And as a parent who loves my child, I cannot allow them to make the same mistakes. So I have to be looking up at what God is doing down here. So don't miss it. Don't miss it because you're waiting for your children to meet your own expectations. And, and this word is applied to you as, as well. Maybe you don't have kids, but, but you're, you're, you have expectations for yourself. And you're not looking at what God has for your life. Don't miss the blessing. Don't miss the timing that is God's because you're looking at your expectations. I'm going to ask us to stand this morning. And I'm going to do a... I'm going to do a couple altar calls here. The challenge is this, and I want you to hear this. Very specific altar call. If you want to be more in tune with God in regards to your, your kids, your spouse, your family, maybe you don't have a family yet, but you want to be more in tune with, your, with God when it comes to yourself. Because sometimes, sometimes we need to work on ourselves first. And maybe you don't have a family yet, but, but you want to be in tune with God to the point where everything is pretty much right the moment that you get a family. So that you can be the man, the woman of your household that God has called you to be. So the challenge is this. If you just want to be more in tune with God, and you don't want to miss a blessing. You don't want to miss an opportunity. I'm going to ask that you just come forward if that's you this morning. Come on. Don't be shy. Thanks for tuning in to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast. Join Pastor John Ryan Cantu every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For directions or more information, visit us at primeraiglesia.org. We'll see you next time and hope you have a blessed week.